horses are at the gate. And they're off! Welcome to Winning Ponies. With a weekend coming up, this is the spot to be for news, handicapping, and spotlights featuring the winners behind horse racing today. Now, here's your host, John Engelhart, racing's regular guy. All right, thanks for joining us for another day of fun and frivolity, and hopefully some winners, a lot of good tracks uh, running right now, a lot of big races, we're getting into the meat of the summer meet, it is August, ladies and gentlemen, it is here, so we're going to see a lot of good racing from Del Mar and Saratoga, and a lot of other tracks, race during the summer, it's their best time of the year, and they will be featuring their top races, uh, just uh, looking at some of the action uh, this week, too. Um, well, let's get to our guest first. Uh, Kenny McPeak, who's been on the show before, uh, is uh, always been on the cutting edge. Of course, uh, I knew Kenny back in the day, as they say, when he had his uh, first win at Little Old River Downs, and since then has gone on to be a grade one trainer. Uh, he's really noted for having a great eye for horse flesh and uh, picking out horses at the sales. A lot of them at very moderate prices, uh, so to say. I don't have 60000 but this day and age, you buy a horse for 60000 <clears throat> that's not a top number. And he still comes away with uh, more than his fair share of uh, stakes winners uh, in that medium range. Well, uh, he's been identified as Sport BLX as a good investment, shall I say. And uh, Kenny's going to tell us uh, about his new relationship with Sport BLX, kind of taking a different approach to racing uh, as an investment opportunity uh, as it takes kind of a mutual fund approach. Uh, in other words, his Magdalena Racing Sport BLX will be offering shares in his product. Uh, there's probably a lot more to it that kind of simplistic, but you know, we'll, we'll get to Kenny uh, uh, as the uh, first guest on the show. And, uh, you know, they really they picked him because of his success and uh, the ability to bring uh, thoroughbred ownership to uh, other people, something he's always done putting together a group. So Kenny McPeak will be our first guest and our second guest, Dan Illman from the Daily Racing Forum. He's going to be a busy guy. He does his spa babies with uh, Nicole Russo and, uh, but uh, this week, got some great racing starting, uh, well, starting every day there's a stake. But tomorrow there's a grade two, the National Museum of Racing Hall of Fame. And then on Saturday, uh, we've got the Longines Test. What a matchup that's going to be. It's not the biggest field, but man, is it competitive. The return of Sarah Genti Empress. She draws the rail and drops down in distance you know she won the kentucky oaks at a mile and an eighth dropped back to the grade one acorn but she was beaten by a new freak on the racing scene garana who's undefeated since then has been training very very well at saratoga her last work was the best of 101 at four furlongs, 47 and three. It's a lot of good horses working four furlongs up at Saratoga. And then, of course, one of the biggest races of the season, a most coveted one, a very important one with the recent passing of Mary Lou Whitney, and that will be 
the grade one Whitney, and what a field this has drawn together. How hard to do a uh, morning line in here, uh, but uh, it looks like uh, McKinsey might get the, uh, the slight edge over uh, Thunder Snow and Preservationist, the impressive winner of the Suburban. So Dan Elman from the Daily Racing Forum is going to help us ferret out some of the top horses there at Saratoga and just kind of give us an overview of how the spa has been playing when it's not raining. <laughs> and uh, we, we'll, we will take it from there. And then again, if I get a chance in this segment, I'm going to kind of look over big Big day at Mountaineer Park. Uh, just kind of ran out of time for bringing in uh, people to handicap them all. And uh, they've got the, the grade three Virginia Governors. That's a $200,000. And the grade three West Virginia Derby uh, in there. I got to say, I'm going to be pulling for Mr. Money. Uh, I was there in the wind circle when he walked in at the uh, Indiana Derby. Very impressive. This horse has just developed so quickly and beautifully for Brett Calhoun. And, uh, you know, in his lifetime starts, every broke is made and he's running nothing but graded competition. And his buyer figures get better and better and better. So I think we're watching a, a superstar in the making here with Mr. Money. Of course, on the other hand, he's making money. He's already earned 773000 in nine lifetime starts for those wins. So uh, I think he thought rather than go to the Whitney, that this is a smart move. Pick up the money. That's right. A half a million on the tab in the Virginia Derby at Mountaineer Park. So uh, we wanted to give those uh, races a shout out. Of course, uh, the West Virginia Governor's Stakes is usually a, a very good one too. Very evenly matched field. Uh, I believe at three to one is uh, is Silver Dust. Jack Gilligan's getting a call on that horse. You remember he won the Grade Three Mine Shaft, just missed in the New Orleans Handicap, and then last time out lost in a head bob in Indiana in the Schaefer Memorial. So uh, he's one of the big favorites in there. And other than that, it's pretty evenly uh, spread around between uh, Exclamation Point who's uh, been racing at Oak Lawn, just missing the Oak Lawn Mile, and uh, last ran in the Cornhusker, and uh, also considered a horse to watch in there, Snapper Sinclair, trained by Steve Asmussen, Joe Bravo in the Mountains to Ride, and another one that's getting a little play by the odds maker on the outside, if I'm saying this right, it is Kukulian the Mexican bread. So, uh, again, Mountaineer Park, they're going to be running here on Saturday in addition to a lot of the races we're going to be talking about. But uh, let's get into some of the national news and our look at some races last week because there were some great ones. Um, now, one that we didn't handicap happened in, in the morning. I got up uh, Saturdays. A lot of times I sleep in if I'm not going to the races. But I got up early, had a cup of coffee, and got on the phone with my buddy Ed. And we looked at the uh, uh, the, the King George stakes. Uh, actually, it's the Quipco King George the Sixth and Queen Elizabeth stakes. Grade one race that's hailed as one of the best races of the season in Europe all the time. And what an epic battle between two brilliant horses and jockeys some people are saying it might have been the best race ever run over there you had the best older horse and the best older filly uh taking on other horses with 
great levels of quality, and they just outclassed the whole field. Now, uh, who, who am I talking about? Well, I'm talking about Crystal Ocean, who was very, very game. That's the guy. But how about Enable? She is truly amazing. Let's see. I believe now Enable. Now, you know it's a win and you're in. She came back. She might be coming back for another trip to the Breeders' Cup turf, of course, this year at Santa Anita. But that win was her 11th straight win, ninth group one. She's a daughter of Nathaniel. Uh, she was made the seven to four favorite from six to four, uh, and uh, for her attempt at a historic third win at the Arc at Longchamp in October, and uh, with her final stage drawing ever closer uh to tory frankie picked up the mount and he was just so impressed with her he also said it was one of the hardest and most exhausting races uh he ever rode he said uh you know give credit to crystal ocean he put it out there it was an amazing race go back and get it i'm sure you can find it somewhere on youtube uh so uh i'll say no more you've got to watch it she is truly amazing you want to google again the quipco king george the sixth and queen elizabeth stakes all right moving on to some more news i hope you got to watch that race ladies and gentlemen um we uh lost a uh, great stallion this week the name might not mean a lot to you unless you follow some japanese racing and eventually some european racing but deep impact was one of the best sons of american kentucky derby sunday silence who basically became i don't know what the bold ruler the northern dancer of north america sunday silence has just had an amazing influence on the breed in japan and uh so deep impact uh, 2002 full and uh he underwent surgery. He was 17 years old. He underwent surgery on his spine or neck area, according to the release. And the operation was a success, and they sent him back. Uh, but they were unable to uh, see what was going on. They took some x-rays, and they saw a cervical spine fracture. And I do believe when they went out to check on him in his stall, he was laying down, and he was not about to get up. Uh, he, you know... He had hoped to win the Arctic Triumph, and his race days fell just three quarters of a length before. But I'll tell you what, he's more than lived up to that as a stallion. He's had no fewer, and they're still running, 42 Group 1 winners at home and abroad. And he's accounted for five winners of the Japanese Derby since his first foals turned three in 2011. And uh, they're still running a winner. Rogers Barrows became the latest victor of the Tokyo uh, feature just earlier this year. So, but, you know, his horses, because the European blood is, uh, the Japanese blood is spreading uh, to Europe. He's had winners in Dubai, Hong Kong, England, France, um, 135 black type winners to date. So deep impact made a deep impact on the breed. And as far as jockeys are concerned, how about Javier Castellano? Got our jockey of the week following that Alfred G. Vanderbilt win. I hope you were watching. I thought Matoli was the super horse. Couldn't be beaten after seven race win streak. Well, Imperial Hint. As we said, he went over to Dubai and was coming back and, and, you know, getting ready. He crossed the finish line in the Vanderbilt in an astonishing 
107.92, breaking a track record that was shared by Spanish Riddle with a 108 uh, before uh, races were timed, and Speedstown, 108.04. So we're splitting hairs there. But uh, nonetheless, to set a six-furlong track record at Saratoga, considering how many great horses have been been over that course over the years is certainly uh, a major, major feat, if I can say so myself. Uh, well, uh, we're going to also go into uh, uh, some of the races uh, we were looking at last week. And uh, again, we're just uh, we're reaching out to my man, Kenny McPeak, and my producer's telling me he might be having a little tough time. I'm going to double-check Kenny's number while we are on the phone. But last week, of course, uh, the Vanderbilt, uh, I think both Ed and I thought um, Matoli was uh, yeah, definitely, you know, the, the the one that can't be beaten. And, of course, that if you've been around racing, you know that that's never the case. And uh, But it was kind of goosebump time to watch Imperial Hint get the job done the way he did uh let's see then also at saratoga uh we had the uh, the bowling green we said this was a wide open race and yeah it was and uh but really the race was kind of for place uh the the winner in here was channel cat a horse that from what i can see from the past performances um has never gone wire to wire and in this case did uh very very impressive louis Sayez, he's everywhere and he's hot right now was in the saddle for that one and uh from uh in the second now the second spot because i did have him in part of my exotics but it was a scramble it was a five horse photo finish for the place getting the nod by ahead was ed's pick Ya Primo, and uh, Ya Primo was just ahead of Arclo, uh, who was a neck ahead of Channel Maker. So uh, it was uh, quite quite the race, I must say, and uh, as so many are at Saratoga. But something about those turf races, uh, just uh, they rise at the top. And then, of course, we had one Jim Dandy of a, of a race, uh, and uh, hold on a second, folks. I'm just adjusting my volume here. Okay, sorry for that. Uh, the Jim Dandy. Well, it went to Tactus, not Tactus. We thought Tacitus was going to be the horse to beat. Of course, a war of will. It looked like everybody was talking about between those two horses, uh, but it was actually um, Tax that got the job done with Irad Ortiz in the saddle. Now, you have to go back and watch the start of this race because Tacitus, uh, who was made the slight favorite in here, uh, went to his nose at the start and spotted the field about two and a half lengths after a couple jumps out of the gate. Well, in a race like this, you can't 
spot them that much. War will look very strong uh, going into the lane. And uh, but all of a sudden, here comes tax coming up there with Irad Ortiz again. Tax was coming off a mile and a half. Uh, Belmont Stakes, where he was beaten by Tacitus, uh, but uh, Tacitus it looked like he was coming on. We bet him, and it was one of those ah, at the wire, and <laughs> Tacitus came up second. Hopefully, we will see that three-year-old and tax back in the gate for uh, the Midsummer Derby. And uh, we also did take a peek out on the West Coast. And out on the West Coast, we went to beautiful Del Mar as I stroll through my PPs here because I know that Ed had the, the winner. And I do want to give him his due. Yes, the grade one, Bing Crosby. Uh, going over on the main track, it was Sistron, who was a wire-to-wire winner, very game with, look who was in the saddle, Victor Espinoza. Uh, got the job done with Sistron for John Sadler, uh, and uh, in the second spot was Desert Law, and uh, third was Jalen Journey. All right, well, that closes out the first portion of the show. Hopefully, we got Kenny McPeak on the phone. I'm John Engelhart. You're listening to Winning Ponies. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. And they're off. What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with winningponies.com, the home of the easy win form. The most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry. Let winningponies.com make some money for you. Pick, bet, and cheer on live racing from Woodbine and Mohawk Park. Thoroughbred and harness action. The wagers are just the beginning. Watch award-winning broadcasts covering both breeds. Incredible battles contested over the most unique grass course in North America. Experience the full fields with over 130 thoroughbred and 160 live harness days. Get access to free handicapping material and join the ranks of Woodbine and Mohawk Park players from all over the globe. For more information, visit woodbine.com. Stimulating talk it gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Engelhart. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with John or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to show at winningponies.com. Now, back to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. All right, and with me, one of the best guys and most talented trainers in the game. I gave an introduction earlier in the show. You've seen him win many a race. Uh, His name is Ken McPeak. Kenny, how are you doing up there at Saratoga? 
Nah, we're doing good, John. We've um, had a nice summer up to now. We didn't bring a lot of horses up here, but we, we brought enough to to be competitive, and it's still early in the season. We've got another month left, but we're um, we're getting ready to gear up and win a few more before it's over. Great. Well, listen, Kenny, you know, before we get into the sport BLX that I mainly wanted to talk to you about, you know, when I look back at certain aspects of the horses that you've been involved with over the years, I, I just wonder if on your headstone they're going to put Ken McPeak, a man that changed the breed. And the reason I say that is you have selected horses that have had an amazing impact on thoroughbred racing and through both male and female families will continue. Let me uh, bring our audience up to speed. Take Charge Lady, uh, who you conditioned and tried so hard to convince the owners not to sell her, uh, has uh, turned into just, I guess they call them blue hens in the history of racing. She's just been an amazing broodmare. Then you selected a little old Ohio bred by the name of Harlan's Holiday, who seems to be having a a breed-shaping influence uh, through his sire line, not only being a good sire himself, uh, but uh, his his son into mischief is having a powerful impact on, impact on the breed. And another horse that I'd like to have any of his babies in the barn, fillies or colts, would be Curlin, the horse of the year that you selected out of the sale. Kenny, how, how do you explain your ability to, to find these horses that will go down in history as some of racing's greats? You know what, um... I guess you could say opportunity, and you do your best to take advantage of that. I mean, I've worked for a lot of nice people over the years that have given me, you know, some nice budgets to work with, and we're always looking for horses that are they're going to compete at a high level. Um, and it is a game of failure. You're going to buy more bad horses or average horses than good, but but um, but I've managed to to find a few diamonds and. Um, you know, I'm going to keep doing it. I, I really don't think about it so much on a day-to-day. Uh, you know, it's kind of, it amazes me what you've just said. I, you know, like I said, I don't think about it so much as we just keep putting one foot in front of the other. And and um, I hope there's a better horse than even those out there for us because um, you can't rest on your laurels. And um, finding a good horse is a lot of fun. And um, when you get one in your hands and you can win those kind of races, it's a... Uh, it's a real treat for those that, that own those horses. And you mentioned Take Charge Lady. I'm, I'm back to work for uh, for Jerry Bach and, and his team, so that, I'm excited about that, too. We had a great success, a great run, and um, we've got a few horses in the pipeline, and hopefully we can jump back in the winner's circle in a big way, too. I, I know, but I, I just want you to know, really, I, I hadn't put it in the perspective still. I until I started talking about it, Kenny, but someday you'll be sitting on your porch smoking a corn cob pipe, talking to your grandchildren, going, yeah, yeah, you see that uh, horse that just won the Kentucky Derby? I picked her great-grandmother out of a cell <laughs> because they and, really have had an amazing and, impact on thoroughbred racing. Well, and, and those grandkids won't care, to be honest, but but um, but it is um, it's a great sport for those that know it, and and understand what we do. It, it's such a challenge, and and um, you know the focus has still got to be um, on the horses first, and certainly on the clients, spending their money wisely. And so that that path isn't going to change. And you know, professionally, uh, I do love what I do. Sometimes it, it gets exhausting, and 
sometimes you're, I guess it's like a Ferris wheel. Sometimes you're on the top and sometimes you're on the bottom. You just kind of fight your way back up again. And um, it is a um, certainly a journey. It's, re- it's actually a pretty cool journey. Well, listen, you're going to have to, uh, you know, buy George Hall an extra uh, drink next time you see him. He He's the co-founder and executive chairman of this new venture, Sports BLX. But he said in a statement, Kenny, and you'll like this, he said they approached McPeak because he's been an innovator through the development of a thoroughbred racing entries, results, and news app called Horse Races Now. Also, Hall said McPeak has a long history of accurately assessing ability in young horses, successfully conditioning them as a trainer, and running his stables with the skills of a top CEO. How's that for a press release? I hadn't I haven't read that, but um, I think what George is doing is, is unique, and when he did approach me, you know, I, I said, look, I, I believe that, that we need to keep trying to do things that are outside the box. And whatever you're bringing me, I'll, I'll tell you, I'll support it. I, I haven't told, I haven't dug my head into all the legal side of it so much as I wanted. And I, and I reiterated this to George is, is that I want to be able to keep doing what I do and that, you know, I want to go to horse sales. I want to be able to select uh, stock that I think are going to win at a high level, and and I want to do it for nice people and enjoy it. And and um, and what he's trying to do is give me, I guess you could say, more rope to work with. Um, certainly a larger budget, and um, it's going to have its challenges. But at the same time, uh, what, what's the old saying? Nothing ventured, nothing gained. And. I, you know, I give um, George um, a big attaboy for, for, for making the effort, and we'll see if we can make something good happen out of it. All right, Kenny, if you would, for our listeners, uh, take us through uh, what it is we're talking about, what what it is that, that uh, is going on out there as far as uh, individuals be able to invest into your uh, Magdalena Racing Corporation. Okay, so... So um, what George has done is is basically an an offering to buy into not just thoroughbred racing, but you could buy into basketball players, football players, hockey players, golfers. And, like, for example, P.J. Washington. There's an event this week in Lexington for P.J., and you can meet him, buy into his career, and so you basically make an investment into his long-term um, earnings potential. Well, it's similar with the horse side of it in that we want to raise capital to be able to go buy a group of horses. And I really recommended that we kind of do a section of Colts and, and Phillies because the approach on Colts is kind of all or nothing. And the approach on Phillies is more conservative and certainly there's some return uh, where you've got a filly that's got a female family or a pedigree. And certainly if you win a graded stick with them, they've got a lot of um, return on that on that investment. But it's a um, it's unique. It's going to be interesting to see how it's embraced. Um, it's going to be a challenge, I think, initially. But if we can get what I'd call lucky in the beginning and get some really good horses and get enough profile to be able to push it even further and harder, 
then that, that'll give us a little momentum. Um, the pressure's going to be on me in the sense that I'm going to need to buy good horses for George and his people um, and, and get some results out of that. But I've had that same pressure for decades. Um, it really hasn't changed my approach. I, I think I'm better at buying horses at 56 than I was at 36. And I think um, my team's probably stronger as well. So it, it, it's a unique uh, unique program that we're putting together. And I think that if it works, it could, you know, Scott could be the limit. I mean, we really could be heading into a whole other stratosphere of, you know, what we're able to accomplish and the type of horses we're able to handle. Well, you know, I've, I've been involved in partnerships along the way. I think it's a great way to go. It's kind of team aspect of approaching racing, and you can get a whole lot of fun for a little amount of investment. Just for our listeners now, because I'm running out of time, how does somebody find out more about uh, the chance to get involved with you through Sport BLX? Well, uh, simply sportblx.com, um, and that's obviously George and his team's site. You know, Magdalena Racing Partnerships is actually – there's actually what I call a sole, well, there's a sole ownership version of that that I have done for a decade or two. But um, Sport BLX will be a, a smaller in, initial investment. They're going to sell shares for $100 per, and I don't know how many shares they're going to actually sell, but um, then it goes into a fund, and then we access the fund to put a group of horses together and Hopefully, get some good ones. So, but the Sport BLX site is, uh, and if you find, you can find them on Twitter as well at, at Sport S P O R T B L X. And um, yeah, like I said, it'll be interesting. I think people should keep an eye on it, and I think you're going to hear more about it in the next few months. Well, Kenny, listen, thanks a lot for uh, taking time out of uh, your relaxation part of the day up there at Saratoga. I know you've got. Uh, kids running around that you need to wrangle and see if you can convince them into going to bed. <laughs> in the meantime, you probably got to get up early in the morning. So as always, I, I appreciate the time uh, you, you spend with us here on Winning Ponies. And as you know, I always wish you nothing but the best. If I can do anything for you, you got my number. Feel free to call. Well, I want you to bring back the cradle and the bassinet <laughs> so that I can start coming up there on Labor Day every year like I've done so many years. And uh, your, your contribu- contribution to that racetrack up there, of course, I still call it River Downs, but I um, always love being up there and love seeing you. And you're, uh, we need more people in the industry like you, John. Thank you. Well, thank you, Kenny. I'm no longer associated with the track, but I am associated with Ohio Racing. And if anybody asks me what would be a good idea, first words out of my mouth will, see, will be, bring back the cradle stakes. Exactly. <laughs> All right, Kenny, go back and enjoy uh, your time in Saratoga, but we'll be looking for you in the winter circle. All right, thanks, John. All right, take care. That was Kenny McPeak in his new venture with Sport BLX. Going to take a quick break, and we come back. The man is as smooth as a bottle of Maker's Marks on the Rocks, Dan Elman from DRF.com. <laughs> The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. 
VoiceAmerica.com. And they're off! What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with WinningPonies.com, the home of the easy win form. The most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry. Let WinningPonies.com make some money for you. Pick, bet, and cheer on live racing from Woodbine and Mohawk Park. Thoroughbred and harness action. The wagers are just the beginning. Watch award-winning broadcasts covering both breeds. Incredible battles contested over the most unique grass course in North America. Experience the full fields with over 130 thoroughbred and 160 live harness days. Get access to free handicapping material and join the ranks of Woodbine and Mohawk Park players from all over the globe. For more information, visit woodbine.com. Follow the Voice America Variety Channel on Twitter. Our hosts always have something to say, and we know that you do too. We tweet on today's hot topics, and you're welcome to follow us. Speak up and join in at Voice AM Variety. That's at Voice AM Variety. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Englehart. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with John or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to show at winningponies.com. Now, back to Winning Ponies with John Englehart. All right, and with me right now, a guest that uh, I don't like to wear out my welcome because I know he is so busy. He's busier now than ever, especially with Saratoga uh, on the horizon. And that's uh, the DRF.com handicap editor and host of the Daily Racing Forms News Desk, Dan Illman. I won't go into his whole resume because I'd rather just talk to him. Dan, how are you doing? Doing great, John. How are you? I'm all right. I'm all right. You know, the heat wave's gone, and, uh, you know, it's uh, I just this time of year, I just love that you just about, you know, click on your computer, go to an OTB site or a racetrack, and there's Saratoga. I'm like a little slice of heaven. I'm back there. Hey, before we get to your read on the meet, what, do you, what did you think about Imperial Hint? Oh, he was sensational, wasn't he? I mean, when he's right, when he feels good, and that's always been the key with Imperial Hint, he's had these nagging injuries that have prevented him from really achieving true consistency throughout his career. But when he's right, we know he's a brilliant horse. I think he was second in the Breeders' Cup Sprint a couple of years ago, a multiple grade one winner, and his race last week was sensational. Now it helped that the favorite, Matoli, was involved in a cutthroat speed duel with strike power, and Javier Castellano wisely had Imperial Hint sitting right off, but I think if that horse got any kind of trip the way he ran he just was tremendous and now it's up to the connections to keep him safe sound and happy and i'm assuming it's vosburg breeders cup sprint yeah that's the way it looks yeah i really thought that matoli was uh, iron man but 
you know, uh, after seven races in a row, sooner or later, we, we've, we've seen them all have a bad day, particularly at Saratoga. Now, I know uh, one, one of the things that you feature on DRFCOM are your, your babies. And so what are you seeing? Uh, you and Nicole Russo uh, break that down. But I look at those maiden special weights, Dan. Oh, my God, I'm flabbergasted. The, the average price of them is 300000 The breeding's impeccable. They're in the hands of the top trainers. How do you ferret those? out well you're looking for future stars and to really play these kind of horses i would always uh, advise the folks look at the experienced horses first they have such a tremendous edge over the first time starters especially at a meet like saratoga and delmar where there are so many people crowding the paddock so much outside stimuli that can affect these horses and they're so high strung as it is the horses that have raced have a big advantage but what you're looking for if you have to bet a first time starter you're looking for three things you're looking for a win early pedigree you're looking for a trainer that wins with first time starters and you're looking with a horse that has workouts preferably workouts in company with other horses that have done well in the past and you can find the workout information the Mike Welsh clock report on drf.com a perfect example was earlier this meet shoplifted was going out for trainer Steve Asmussen who wins first time out at Saratoga who had workouts in company with a horse that had won a week before and simply had the pedigree to win first time out he wasn't a surprise he was a winner in a race where Bill Mott had a first-time starter, and that horse, you know, Bill, Bill doesn't usually win first-time out. He actually has two debut winners this year. Uh, Wayne Lucas had a first-time starter. A couple of other guys showed me Gahey. These guys are old school. They like to give their horses a race. So look for the experienced horses, but if not, try to look for the best combination of pedigree, trainer intent, and workouts. Excellent advice. We're talking with Dan Illman from DRF.com. Now, um, you know, you got you got to admit things ratchet up when we get to Saratoga. Does anything different happen on your set? Uh, are, are there other things you have to do or people you have to rely on that are maybe? I, I know you work the desk, uh, but guys that are actually on the scene, like Mike Welsh and stuff like that. Oh, sure. Mike Welsh is on the scene. He's clocking horses in the morning. He's got a team, and his workout reports are invaluable, especially with horses coming back off long layoffs, the European shippers that we will see at Saratoga, especially for the Chad Brown Barn and for major races coming up like the Saratoga Oaks and the Saratoga Derby. Uh, and, for, of course, for first-time starters, uh, Dave Granning, who's just you know an ace reporter, he's one of the best in the business, is up there as well. And Nicole and I are doing our spa babies, and uh, we'll do all the stakes pre- Previews we can for Saratoga, Delmar, and heck, we'll throw in a little Mountaineer Park this weekend as well, West Virginia Derby Saturday. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, I, I brought that up at the top of the show. I, 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 I've turned into a big Mr. Money fan. A, I really like the name of the horse, but I just love the way that this horse has developed. Now, I know we're digressing from our New York conversation, but you brought up uh, the West Virginia Derby. Uh this horse, it's, he's really neat to watch uh, that he's just, you know, once he kind of like found out what the game was all about after racing down at the fairgrounds, um, he, I mean, he's been nothing, he's been in nothing but graded stakes company since he broke his maiden and he just seems to be getting better and better. 
I tend to agree, John. I mean, you'll watch his last race in the Indiana Derby, and there was a riderless horse in that race, and that might have really phased a couple of horses that were less battle-tested and less experienced, but this horse just settled in behind that riderless horse, waited until Gabriel Saez gave him his cue and then shot on through. I really think the only thing that can beat Mr. Money on Saturday, if he does get beat, is the distance. He's stretching out from a mile and a sixteenth to a mile and an eighth, and while that doesn't seem like a lot to handicappers, I really think for horses, uh, you're still young in their careers and still developing. It is a big bridge to, to cross. Mr. Money just looks like he has that field over a barrel from a class and speed figure standpoint. And he also has the tactical speed where he could either lead and, or sit second in a race without much pace. It's interesting that they go here three weeks after the Indiana Derby instead of going directly to the Travers. I wonder if it's because Brett Calhoun does have in the back of his mind a little worry about a mile and a quarter. Well, that and let, let's not forget, uh, go back, uh, you're much too young uh, to remember some of these horses, but like Woody Stevens was smarting. He, I believe, elected to go to like the Illinois Derby, the West Virginia Derby, the Pennsylvania Derby. He picked up a million bucks while all the heavy heads were beating each other on the East and West Coast. And he's like, hey, I'm going to pick up a million dollars because these guys don't want to come to these tracks. And that's the great advantage you do have if you have a three-year-old this time of year. And maybe you don't want to go a mile and a quarter, or maybe you don't want to hit heads with the truly top stars. There's a lot of money out there. Mr. Money's already grabbed a lot of it with wins in the Matt Wynn, wins in the Indiana Derby. He's going to be odds-on for a half million in the West Virginia Derby. And who knows, maybe the Pennsylvania Derby will be the race where we see him take on the big boys. We will find out. Well, Dan Illman from uh, the Daily Racing Forum, uh, let's get into some of the races at Saratoga uh, tomorrow. I mean, it's great. You don't have to wait for a Saturday or Sunday. You guys have a stakes race every day up there. But we actually have a grade two up there in the National Museum Racing Hall of Fame. And I believe uh, tomorrow is probably the day where Craig Perrette and Royal Delta will be inducted. Those are the horses uh, that most of our audience would be uh, familiar with. But it's the National Museum Hall of Fame grade two. Uh, they're going to go a mile in the inner turf. Uh, I haven't checked the weather. Not that it matters if you do it, Saratoga, because you never know when one of those storms is going to come. But it is scheduled on the grass. And um, it uh, th th this field, uh, not the biggest in the world, but a lot of horses with upside. Oh, a lot of horses with upside, and it's a very evenly matched race. I would advise folks to perhaps look for a price in here. Uh, and the way I'm looking at this race is I want a horse with a little bit of upside that may be flying under the radar. And the one I'm looking at is Swamp Rat, the number two, who's 10 to 1 on the morning line. Now, Swamp Rat was a good two-year-old and an early one at that. Won his debuts, multiple stakes placed. Last time out, trainer Phil Gleaves, you were talking about Woody Stevens, his longtime assistant, Phil Gleaves put blinkers on Swamp Rat and he responded with a really good performance. He was on the pace throughout, prompting a horse that ended up backing up through the field and finishing ninth. He took over the lead, he opened up a big lead, and it took the favorite value proposition to pip him on the wire. There's not a lot of speed other than the stretch out sprinter Sombaye in the Hall of Fame. And I think Swamp Rat at a big price is going to work out a very good trip. There are good horses in this race that I think you should consider in multiple race wagers like Global Access and Moon Colony, but the best price of them are sw is uh, Swamp Rat, and I'll take a shot with him at a big number. 
Oh, that <laughs> I, I can't blame you. And as always, Dan, I, I love listening to you because you make sense. And uh, I also love equipment changes. And you pointed out they threw the blinkers on them and all of a sudden ran a really solid race. Uh, just got caught in a mile and a 16th and the mile might just fall right in their lap. And I had forgotten that Phil Gleaves was a uh, Woody Stevens graduate uh, from his great school of training. So it really is a good race. We've got, uh, you know, again, not a lot of speed. Uh, speed Pace handicappers might have a field day in this race. Again, Sombaye is a stretch-out sprinter, and there are some distance questions that he's going to have to deal with. But um, consider, uh, consider a Swamp Rat because he does have that tactical speed to sit from off the pace. All right, let's move on to the Longines test. It's a grade one, half a million on the line. Go in seven furlongs. I've got, you know, kind of a, uh, I've got a connection here with Serengeti Empress as I uh, am friends with uh, his owner, uh, Joel Politi. And uh, boy, drawing the rail, cutting back, you know, to be beaten by Garana, we've learned, is not <laughs> a black mark on your report card. Uh, and he's been training lights out for Tom Amos. I, I mean, when you're training at Saratoga and you're the best of 101 at the distance, something's going right for you. Oh, she's feeling good. Namus has handled this horse really well. She won the Kentucky Oaks when she used her speed on the lead. And in the acorn, yes, she rode a golden rail. It's worth noting that on Belmont Stakes Day, you wanted to be on the inside. The inside dominated all day long. But Serengeti Empress shouldn't be uh, faulted for her good effort on the gold rail. She worked very hard in the acorn. She broke inward very badly. It was almost as if she broke sideways from the inside post. And then she had to rush up to get involved in a wicked speed duel with a horse, uh, Cookie Dough, that finished eighth of ninth. She just backed up badly through the field. And she disdainfully dispatched of Cookie Dough and had the lead in the stretch. And it took the division leader, the favorite, Guarana, to run her down. I actually like Serengeti Empress uh, cutting back in distance. But you said it all. This inside post is brutal. Tom's already said that Serengeti Empress is on a send mission. You don't want to take a hold with her. But... Isn't Joel Rosario going to send Kafefi out of the gate as well? And if they hook up in a spirited duel, it's not like they're a bunch of ham and eggers chasing her. You've got a multiple grade one winner in Bellafina, and you've got the undefeated Royal Charlotte. Listen, I respect uh, Serengeti Empress greatly. And if she was outside the other speed, maybe I would be a little bit more, uh, more positive on her chances. But she's going to have to work every step of the way on Saturday. Yeah, I just don't think that... Uh She's going to get cooked. I mean, that acorn was ridiculous. I mean, I threw my tickets down at the half-mile pole. 21-4, and 43-4, and four, and you're going a mile. I just can't believe that she hung around for second by two and a half lengths over Jeltrin, who's in this race. Um, and I just think by taking the break and, and coming back, um, I guess my next question for you, obviously, we can go on to a couple of the other horses that we haven't talked like Bellafina and uh, Kovefi is um, probably hatching the name. Um, it, it just seems like if Jose Ortiz can get her in position and not go 43 and four, she's going to be dangerous dropping back to seven. My, my question for you is, and it may change from day to day, Dan Elman, is how is the rail playing at the spa? 
I don't think it was that great today, um, but I think it does change from day to day. I'll have to go over the replays again. It was worth noting in that Birdstone stakes today going a mile and three quarters, you know, the leader Marconi, you know, just stayed well off the rail in the early portion of the race, uh, kind of allowed another horse to come inside him when they passed the stands the first time. You rarely see that, especially in dirt racing. And then he ended up getting passed from the outside by the eventual winner. Um, I'm not sure the rail's been great uh, the last few days. I'm not sure the rail was great uh, last week when we saw Matoli. Uh, get beat by Imperial Hint with a three-wide stalking trip, but it does change from day to day. And again, the break is key. Remember in the acorn, she broke from the inside post, she broke inwardly. She can't afford to make a mistake coming out of the gate with Kafefi because if she does, she's going to be sitting second early, and that gives Kafefi an advantage. Well, I find it's interesting that I read Ortiz, who wrote her that day, is now riding Trenchtown Cat, and his brother, uh, Jose, is back on Saragantar Empress, but he rode her in the Kentucky Oaks, so he knows a little bit about the horse. Now, here's a horse that we haven't spent much time on that, uh, you know, was held as uh, perhaps, uh, you know, the the next coming of uh, a, a three-year-old champion, Bellafina. Flavian Pratt's going to come in from the West Coast, uh, has been training out at Del Mar, uh, lights out since the Kentucky Oaks. Um, what are you looking at with this horse that you got the ship in, you got the layoff, but you got a whole lot of talent underneath. She's the horse to beat, and I love cutbacks at seven furlongs, and I think she's a sprinter anyway. The money is at a mile and an eighth if you're a three-year-old filly. That's the Kentucky Oaks. Serengeti Empress got the money. Bellafina is a multiple grade one winner around two turns, but I think you can make the argument her best performance, certainly her most visually impressive performance, was when she won her seasonal debut in the Santa Inez going this seven for a long distance. I really believe the Kentucky Oaks at a mile and an eighth was just too far for her. I like that Simon Callahan Look at that trainer stat, winning a third of his races in 2019, gave her time, pointed to this race, the most prestigious race in the country for three-year-old fillies. And if the one and the three, Serengeti Empress and Kafefi, hook up in a duel, Bella Fina has the tactical ability to sit just off. The price is the only concern. She's been three to one or less in every single one of her races. She's going to be short again. And as you mentioned, she's coming off a layoff. But you could make the argument she's the best horse in this race. It'll be very interesting. I mean, like I said, there's seven horses in the field, but, uh, uh, you know, between Sergente Empress, uh, Bellafina, and Covefe, am I saying that right? Because th- this is a horse that just looks like she's got a lot of upside to her. You know, I'm a big fan of the Harlan's Holiday, Holiday Progeny, and uh, Into Mischief is just totally on fire right now. I'm not, I'm not going to say breeding is going to make the difference in this, but she looks like one that, uh, you know, we're going to be asking her to stretch out a little bit more uh, this race and uh, how much of an impact she's going to have because uh, her Miss Preakness was off the charts. I generally prefer horses cutting back at seven furlongs, but I wouldn't willing to make uh, an exception with a horse with the apparent talent of Kafefi. Kafefi, you're right. That Miss Preakness was just a freakishly good performance, but now she must prove that she's more than a one-hit wonder. She ran a 107 buyer in the Miss Preakness, and in her other four races, her best buyer speed figure is an 86. So what is she? Did she simply freak out over the Pimlico Oval that day against weaker horses? Last time out, she was two to five in the Rock Solana. She faced a very good horse in Mia Mischief. She was the only three-year-old in a field of older horses and she battled on the lead. But she got tired at the end of that race. And this pace could be very fast if Serengeti Empress goes. 
Joel Rosari has at least one option because he breaks outside of Serengeti Empress. If Serengeti Empress catches a flyer, I think Kafefi's going to try to rate for Brad Cox. If that's the case, it helps both Serengeti Empress, it helps Kafefi, it might hurt the stalkers. Listen, she might be the best price of the three. I think Serengeti Empress is getting bet. I think Bellafina is getting bet. And if you want to look for a price of the big three, maybe Kafefi is the one. I'm kind of leaning this way, although I am terrified of the pace battle. <laughs> all right, Dan Elman from the Daily Racing Forum, the big one of them all on Saturday at Saratoga. The great one, Whitney, a million dollars on the line. It's uh, a field of eight quality all over the place. Uh, the odds maker makes McKinsey uh, the favorite, but obviously uh, uh, Persevision- Persevisionist, if I'm saying that right, Um Ran a 108 buyer in his last start. Now, he's a six-year-old, so obviously they've taken their time. He's had something little hitching his get-along along the way. Um, but right now, he could not be more at the top of his game. And Thunder Snow, he's just some kind of animal. He can win anywhere, anytime. $16 million in earnings. You never know what he's going to do. Uh, distance shouldn't be a problem. I'm going to shut up and, and let you talk about this race because it's a fantastic one. It's a tactical race also because there doesn't appear to be a lot of speed in this race. Thunder Snow, we've seen him wire the Dubai World Cup in the past. Vino Rosso is a pace-pressing winner of the Gold Cup at Santa Anita. We've seen McKinsey out there on the lead, and Preservationist was on the lead in his last few races. This is going to be a rider's race in the first quarter of a mile. Generally, uh, with McKinsey, our morning line favorite, and deservedly so, I feel the same way about him distance-wise as I do Bellafina. I think he's better at slightly shorter distances than a mile and an eighth, but I think his talent is going to send him through here. He had a brutal trip in the Met Mile when he lost as the favorite. He rode the golden inside rail for the first six furlongs or so, and Mike Smith switched outside, and I wonder if Mike had a little bit of bias on the brain, because he had a chance to get to the outside in mid-stretch for a clear run. He stayed in. He was steadied in between horses in major traffic. He had to alter course back down towards the inside, and again, when you make a mistake with a horse the caliber of Matoli, and you're chasing that horse you're not going to win. He arguably wins with a clear run. Bob Baffert believes that this horse can get the nine furlongs against truly top horses, and I believe he's going to get a good up close to the pace trip. I hate to chalk out in a big race like this, but I think he's way the horse to beat. And you hit the nail on the head with the number eight. Perseverance has paid off for preservationists. Say that a million times. And last time out, (laughs) he took care of Catholic Boy, who's a grade one winner on both dirt and turf. He's obviously had his share of problems, as you pointed out, eight starts uh, as a six-year-old, but he is a big, good-looking son of Arch that is finally reaching his potential, and Junior Alvarado has plenty of options. If McKinsey doesn't see this trip out, preservationists might be the one to take him down at a better price. Yeah, and, and you've been on the New York scene enough to see uh, Jimmy Jerkins and how, you know, he's never in a rush. And, you know, he, and he'll save a horse for a big opportunity. And obviously, the Whitney could easily be one of those. 
And Jimmy Jerkins is also a master at stretching horses out. It's something that fans should file away in their mental notebooks. Note when preservation is stretched out from six furlongs to a mile. He exploded with an allowance win. Stretched out from six and a half to a mile. Won his 2x. Stretched out to a mile in the 16th. Won his 3x. Stretched out to a mile and a quarter. Won the Suburban. Now he's cutting back slightly to a mile and an eighth, but I'm not going to hold that against preservationist. Uh, he is a good, good racehorse when he's right, and you rarely see this horse put three races together without a layoff line, so he is feeling good, and that's really the key for him. <laughs> well stated. Dan, I love listening to you, and I know that our audience does too. Uh, Dan Elman, hey, folks, if you want to hear uh, it, it, it fresh and as it's coming into, go to drf.com, uh, pull down the spa babies because there's several maiden races coming up over the weekend. And uh, also, there's going to be so much action that he's going to be covering right there for you. You can turn it on. Take your cup of coffee, sit back, and listen to Dan Illman. It's a great way to spend your early day on a Saturday and then go to the races early and often. Dan, thanks a million for being with us. John, thank you for having me on. It's a pleasure as always, and best of luck to everybody this weekend. All right, Dan Illman signing off, and Kenny McPeak, I want to thank him and wish him all the best with uh, with his new ventures, and most of all, I want to thank you folks, and remind you, there's so much good racing, it's hard to track it all, so track it all with the easy win forms at winningponies.com, you can go up, we've been killing them, thanks a lot, I'm John Engelhart, you're listening to Winning Ponies. Thanks for listening to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. We know the information from today's show will help you at the next post. Keep listening for more next Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Network.